My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. If you're inspired by this conversation and you'd like to see it reach more people, you can help the Wonder Dome take flight by sharing it with friends and colleagues, subscribing, giving us a high star rating, and best of all, leaving a glowing review. If you'd like to go even further, consider becoming a monthly supporter. You'll help me keep the lights on and support a wide range of charitable causes. You can learn more at mindfulcreative.coach. Thanks in advance for helping us inspire the world. My guest today is Wesley Morris. Wesley is a pastor, a facilitator, a mentor, and as you'll hear today in our conversation, a deeply soulful, thoughtful, and caring human being who stands, in my experience, as an invitation for all of us, for every human being on this planet, to walk towards the parts of life that perhaps cause us the most fear or the most uncertainty, or towards the parts of life where we think that what we know is all of reality. But in fact, there are some deeper emergent truth waiting for, waiting for us in the so-called darkness. Wesley is the director of programs and strategy for the Southern Vision Alliance. And what that, that means, his work day to day is about working with on the ground activists who are facing systemic racism across the country, all over the South. He's based out of North Carolina, but he works with activists all over the South who are working the question and working the problem of how do we evolve our society so that we can move past systemic racism and truly reach a place of freedom for all people. And in our conversation today, we touch on that theme, but we also touch even more expansively just into the question of what it is for us as humans to face the so-called darkness of our life, to face those places where, where we think we know, and to take a step, even just one step, in the direction of the unknown in service of our highest and best self, in service of wonder, in service of connection with each other, and with the ever-growing awareness that we are not in control of life, we are life. And then the more we allow life to express, the more that possibility for healing, for growth, for change, for what Wesley calls non-conditional, unconditional love and belief and identity can emerge. So this conversation went by way too fast. I really hope that, that I get to have Wesley on again. But there's nonetheless a lot of wisdom embedded in the next 60 minutes or so, and I can't wait to share it with you. So let's take a deep breath. Get settled in and hear what Wesley has for us. Okay, Wesley, welcome to the Wonder Dome. Thanks for having me. Thanks yeah, for having me. yeah, it's so good to have you here. Man, I already feel like, you know, we just met 
20 minutes ago, uh, although you come, uh, you come from circles that I respect really deeply and connect with connections to people I respect really deeply. And I just feel like really honored and excited with what little I know so far to have you in the space. It feels very aligned with the spirit and the mission of this podcast. So thanks for coming. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much so excited in the uh, offering and the opening of space to, to have important dialogue and to talk and to build on each other's uh, experiences is a gift. And so being able to carve out some time today is, um, you know, I can, can find a better use of time. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. You know, I feel, I feel compelled to start close to where we started before, before we, I pressed record, yeah. which was this really exciting moment for me where you started sharing this, the, the distinction between constellations and stars and, uh, and, the reason that's exciting for me is, as I told you, the show, The Wonder Dome, is the, the idea of The Wonder Dome comes from my own experiences of just being a tiny, a tiny being beneath the vast dome of stars at night and the kind of awe and mystery that comes from an experience like that. And, and then you started, without me telling you that, you started sharing this, this really beautiful metaphor. And, uh, and perhaps, you could, perhaps we could start there if that feels all right. Yeah, right. What a starting point to to have a uh, organic experience that I was just sharing from uh, really my childhood and that to be represented in the place that we are now. Um, yeah, yeah. But cool. just just to you know share with you, it was a field trip, field trip to a planetarium and uh, had to be middle school. And, you know, at that age, I was fascinated by the sky um, and so I did look up when I was a kid, I was looking at stars and, you know, just wondered and even had a project where my parents bought me a star. <laughs> I remember the little certificate and we could name it and track it in the sky. And um, anytime there was a meteor shower, um, I remember mm-hmm. one in particular time my mother drove us out uh, to the bridge where mm-hmm. the meteorologist said that you could see it most clearly. And mm-hmm. We, we pulled over to the side of the road in the middle of the night. And those are the kind of memories that I had around being fascinated with the sky. But this time in the, the planetarium, uh, sitting in this space and this total wonder at being so close, like I'm looking at the ceiling, but the ceiling isn't the ceiling anymore. It's this vast expanse of the sky where there's a solar system. There are stars shooting back and forth. And just how at that time, it was just wonder. It wasn't even technology at that point. Mm. It was just this mm. intimate connection with wonder. Mm. Um, and so mm. I worked with a paradigm of, of word, the world, and then this added dimension of wonder <laughs> and being able to assign meaning to it uh, as I grew older. And so I mentioned constellations and stars, but um, being able to know that there are there are experiences that I've had in this, in my short life that I could name and I could make some meaning out of it. Uh, and at the same time, uh, in the sky, people have made meaning of stars for centuries, for millennia, you know, yeah. and there's Orion's belt, there's the Little Dipper, the Big Dipper and all these things. And at the same time, I can draw, you know, I can, you know, make out some shapes and mm. just begin to think about mm. the intersections of, uh, the imagination of others 
which then can start an imagination inside of you that you didn't even know. And the mm. spark that moves from heart to heart and breast to breast, as we say. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, like I said, as a, as a kid, young kid, middle school, teenager, just like looking around, wow, this is, this is amazing. And it's really shown up um, in my work today in ministry and just moving forward with my writing and just day-to-day uh, understanding. Mm. I'm so, I so relate to the power of that youthful experience. I'm so glad that you got yeah. to have it and that you shared a taste of it. You know, this is a bit of an aside. I want to hear more about this present moment that you're in, but uh, I'm just struck with how little space there seems to be for wonder in, uh, in sort of dominant cultural paradigms around what's important and and it feels like wonder is something that at least you tell me if this rings true for you, but from where I sit, it, it seems vanishingly scarce in, in our lives. And it's just so yeah. potent and powerful. And it totally, it has the potential to completely shift how we understand who we are and how we relate to each other. And I hear that like spark inside your own encounter with the night, with the night sky and with the solar system, and the planetarium. So I'm curious if that's resonating with you. Yeah, Andy, it's a, it's a fascinating um, question that, that comes up, this word how. Um, I've read a book called Spiritual Literacy, and it promotes the question of how do you read? Not what do you read? There's some things that, you know, what you're reading, but how do you read? What lens are you reading through? Mm-hmm. And that comes up in, in, in many ways where the mundane can be the wonderful. Uh, and in some sense, the, you, you have to choose uh, and practice that. Uh, where washing dishes can be an exercise in washing one's own mind of the day, where uh, washing one's hands can be an incredible experience of, of thinking about creation and seeing all the little lines in your hand. It's not just washing your hands anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when I look at the sky and how do I read the sky, uh, when I've had other experiences with darkness, uh, that's when I had a translation experience. Mm. It translated not only from wonder and magic and mystery in a world where that begins to narrow as responsibilities and experiences accumulate over time, mm. which is fairly natural. But at the same time, the, the opportunity doesn't go anywhere. That's what I love. The opportunity that wonder presents and mystery uh, always has there. You have the ability to tap into it. Mm. And uh, that makes, again, the mundane a miracle. Mm. And, uh, so when you uh, take the opportunity to look at the dark sky, right? Uh, one thing that comes to me is, are you afraid of the dark? It was a TV show. But it's a profound question that I mean, I think, you know, most children encounter like, you know, all the lights go off it can be a scary experience. Um, and then how darkness is uh, used in in common culture as mm. something to be afraid of, mm. to discard uh, mm. something um, irreligious or evil even. Mm. Uh, I was watching a television show and they had uh, a pretty violent scene and the music was playing and I had closed caption on it says dark music is playing. Mm. And so there mm. is a solid definition of what darkness means. And I think that to take how we read that um, is a really wonderful opportunity to flip something. Mm. Uh, it's to take what was meant to be fearful, what I used to be afraid of, 
and become intimate with it in a way that it changes its power and its force in my life. <laughs> and so are you able to take a walk in the dark? Are you able to take a walk in a dark room? And very much so, I'm, I'm speaking in, in kind of abstract terms, but in plain terms, am I going, am I able to go to some of the difficult areas, the difficult rooms of my own life mm-hmm. and now take a walk in them as if I know where things are, right? And I'm able to go find myself uh, touching the walls of the dark room that I didn't want to experience at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, like I said, this, this is very practical for me. And so uh, I'll share just one practical example. Yeah, please, Um, please. When I was in seminary, which was from 2014 to 2017, I served as a chaplain at a hospital. And and I remember my first assignment uh, and I went down to the floor uh, and it was in the lower levels. And I went and I went to that door and I looked at it. It was a door that you could look through and see what was happening, but you had to be buzzed in. Mm-hmm. So I was looking in and uh, I was overwhelmed um, by fear. And I went back up to the room and, you know, I went back upstairs to the lobby room where we were waiting and where I got my training. I said, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, and that's too much. Um, but what happened by the end of that year, uh, I was able to spend not only the, the assigned time there, but the time that I had extra, I spent there uh, mm-hmm. sitting um, with patients, uh, hearing stories, being opened up myself, going in with all those presumptions that I once had about what I would experience if I went into that dark room. And when I sat there, I realized uh, that it wasn't what I thought it was, um, and so I just wanted to share some of the, the touches that we've had and, and that hopefully listeners will have of their own sense of what is a dark room and, and what does it take mm-hmm. to walk around in a dark room uh, mm-hmm. whereby you're not afraid in the way that you were when you were in the experience that created it. Yeah, I'm really appreciating all of that. You know, what you shared earlier about the possibility is always there, the possibility or opportunity that wonder offers us is always there that the narrowing we experience is really kind of a narrowing of our capacity to see, but that if we can just sort of move towards that dark room anyway, we will inevitably see more than we thought. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, it's almost like we're just looking through like a keyhole and you're sort of saying like, Hey, cut, stop looking through the keyhole and open the door and go find out what's inside. And I'm also saying that that it's okay that if you look and you go back upstairs in your yeah. waiting room, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that when I went back up there, I did have some other voices impact me and say, I've been there before. Mm. Oh, I know what that's about. Um, and so the invitation is one of, it's okay. You're okay. <laughs> All right. And, and to walk in and say, let me show you something. Uh, let me show you something. And and in that showing and in that dark room, there's a constellation there too. <laughs> you know, the constellation that I saw as a child that had me opened up with wonder, that had me just so energized and inspired and just feeling good. Do you remember that happy feeling when you did something and you're like, oh, this is fun. Like yeah. you can't forget yeah. what was fun. <laughs> you yeah. can easily do that with the accumulation of the narrowing, again, the narrowing of bills and 
just you know all the other things yeah but there was there was fun the element there and so when you're in the dark room uh you need to i mean be open to uh, maybe somebody who's been there before and can point out what the constellations are not only what the bright spots are in there but some meaning making about how they connect to each other and make a difference for those who are listening that you may have just noticed an edit that's because someone was using a leaf blower about a, about a foot from my window. Uh, so what we were just tuning into is like this sort of permission to go into the dark room, but also permission to go in in a way that's right for you and mm-hmm. to maybe listen to others who have been into their version of that room and who, who are here to tell you, it's like, I understand why that's scary for you, but I want to invite you to the possibility that there's things you can feel and see in there that you won't be able to unless you go in. Yeah. And, and the practice allows that to happen. And even now, I, it just happened in my mind when you were just saying the leaf blower, I was saying that, that that's a, a cool little breeze being blown or it's blowing away some debris. And that debris wasn't necessary for us to have this conversation, whatever I had brought, you know. And so the literacy, again, is how do you read what's happening in the moment? Right. Ooh. There might have been some lingering, you know, um, thinking or experiences that I was holding on to that didn't allow me to be as open and transparent, you know? And so like it's always having a mindset of practicing uh, the presence of spirit. There's a wonderful book again, uh, Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God. And so how do you practice the presence uh, of spirit that makes available that possibility when people say, uh, you know, you have detractors or you shouldn't do that or, or that won't work out or they might even say, this is something that I'm, I'm really push on. They might even say, you know, it's not that bad. You know, what you went through, you know, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. in general, uh, generally speaking, if you're part of the human condition, you're going to face some suffering at some point in time. Yes. It's going to be a level of struggle or challenge. That's one of my core beliefs. Mm-hmm. And it's not to be minimized and it's not to be exploited. And it's not also to be exacerbated by the systems in which we we live and or take part in. And so, again, when we talk about the wonder that's available, the wonder doesn't take me out of my suffering. Uh, What it does, it helps me to pass through it. And the passing through is the gift. Um, You don't have to stay in one place. Um, And so... uh, you mind if I share another experience with you? I know. <laughs> yeah, I really want to hear another experience. Um, I want to say really quickly that I so appreciate the skillfulness that you just modeled. And I want to make sure people listening hear it. The skillfulness to experience an interruption mm-hmm. as an invitation yeah. or as, a, as an opportunity to wonder and reframe about what's in this moment right here, right now. So, you know, we're on a podcast how annoying it is that someone's there with a leaf blower. What are you doing out there blowing leaves right now? Ah, versus, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Maybe there's something I, maybe there's like something I need to clear out in this moment. So I'm just going to take a breath and wait for the sound to pass. Yeah. Start again. So I just like really want to make sure that I want to underline that before you share your next experience, because it just, I was in the moment really blown away (laughs) by that. So thank you for modeling that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's again, the, the passing through and not being stuck. Because I could get stuck on, 
<laughs> that sound is still there, you know, but how do you pass through um, yeah. the that would otherwise have you stuck? And so the experience is um, actually the opening to my thesis uh, for seminary. Uh, I tell a story of traveling to Belize and uh, being invited into a uh, cave rafting, kind of just waiting mm. for a cave. And my friend Dante and I had just taken this whole adventure and said, let's just go, let's go, let's do it. And again, that happiness, that that abstract fun, that wonder brought us into another moment where we're able to learn something about life that we otherwise may not have done. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's why I think happiness is a catalyst to help you get over some hesitation. <laughs> um, and so as we go in, we're about a half a mile in and it is dark. Uh, but we have headlamps, right? And we are asked by our guide to cut off our headlamps. And in that moment, I realized I'm attached to five other folks just by way of a little rope. You could hear the water drops, like drip, drip, drip. Mm. And, you know, you could uh, see others' headlamps, but our guide said, cut them off. So all of us did. We cut them off. And there is a scripture. Uh, it talks about darkness that could be felt, a darkness that could be felt. And that was that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had an experience of darkness becoming physical. Um, it was so deep into that cave. Uh, you know, I was, you know, when the lights went off, the stalactites, the stalagmites had their shine, the rock formations on the side. You could see the glimmering and the shimmering off to your right. And if you look to your left, you you couldn't see anything i mean literally eyes open but eyes closed and with that experience um i i began to just sit and then the guide started talking to us about that this is actually a kiche maya mythology where you had to pass through this as a rite of passage there is a way to experience the dark room that you had to go through that in order to be acclaimed an adult or to be claimed as someone who could be trusted with responsibility. And so once you are able to carry the darkness of that space, you then take that out into the light. And that's why I say it's so important to pass through is that uh, one without the other, right? Or, or one held exclusively from the other, light and dark, uh, does not make for full Um, fullness or wholeness, I should say. And so coming out of that experience, I had a commitment to write about darkness in a different way. And I had a commitment to think of my own dark skin, my own dark flesh in a different way, where in in modern society, systemic racism is a very clear um, process for me. And it it deals with internal questions. It stirs up internal placements, but also exterior situations and circumstances. And so having to learn that there is a kind of love in the depth of that darkness that became physical for me, which was once, you know, it was a visual, but it became physical. And so in that embodiment that I felt that presence, uh, I came out and said, I have a new practice now. You know, when I close my eyes, it's not the same anymore. And so there are so many, I guess I would say, episodes that I could just share with you, Andy, that uh, I've embraced this relationship with darkness in a material way, uh, in a social way, 
and and in the most meaningful, I would say, I guess, in my spirit, the the part of me that's connected to to nothing you can really identify, <laughs> but yeah. that that you know is there. It's that yeah. spark um, that feels good right now. Wow. Wesley, there's a lot moving in me right now as I just, as you share the story and your experience and the, the, the sort of ancient rite of passage that, ex, that that experience was modeled on and drawn from. And, man, in the ways in which, like, there's something, I, I'm going to try this on for size and you can maybe help me refine it and, and, and yeah. either and either resolve it into more clarity out of the the haziness that it's in my mind right now, or perhaps find something truer. But I sense that your insights about like at, le- at least there's one way we could understand systemic racism mm-hmm. as as a way not to pass through, as a way to say that there is some that that as a that that by inventing whiteness and as a result inventing inventing blackness mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as identities for human beings, we're we're creating a kind of existential place of safety, at least an imaginary place of safety for people who benefit from systemic yeah. racism. Yeah, and that and that it like it it keeps us from having to go through to having to pass through a deeper integrative experience of our own humanity in service Mm -hmm. of just safety and comfort and, you know, all of these sort of, so I just like, there's something there about like you saying like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide from it. And I'm going to create spaces where other people don't hide from it. And I'm going to, and we haven't really talked about your work, but people will have heard in the intro that I'm, I'm going to invest my time and my energy and my light and my love to uplift other activists who are working on the question of, of, how do we how do we face systemic racism? And it's sort of like I almost hear an invitation to to, to white folks like, hey, you got to pass through this with us. Yeah, there's yeah. no there's no there's no way for you to go around and just be on the other side of the, the cave right. and be back right. in the lighting. And it's like they just you just have to go down and in here with us. Oh yeah, you have to lose your mind. <laughs> you have to lose the first mind that you have. Um, <laughs> deny some of those. Um, automated responses and uh, those automated privileges and to be able to uh, understand what what a bridge is, not to be able to just talk about it, but just to see what is it in that middle. And again, the invitation is always there. There's always a guide saying, you know, you can cut your light off. It's Mm. okay. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Take away everything that you think you know and uh, really get a chance to know what's going on. And, and, and not only is in, in those circumstances and the back to this, the stars and the constellations, it's, it's not that light solves darkness. Yes. To me, there's a shimmering in darkness, right? And so there are skies uh, at night where it could be, it would look like it's clear, but it's cloudy, but it's pitch black. You just can't see stars. But that doesn't mean that they're not there. Yeah, yeah. And so that is is something that is a prevailing theme for me, that in the deepest of the darkest room that we've invited you to come into and to take a walk around in without any light, right, that it is there. And, and I'm not going to be a spoiler and let you know where it is. Maybe at the end of the <laughs> podcast, I'll let you know where, where it truly is in my thinking. Um, but the invitation is just to come without knowing that. 
And so there's a um, a way that in that that cave and in those dark skies that the clearest comes when I'm actually around the least pollution, around the yes. least air pollution, yes. around the least amount of lights. I've lived yes. and I've been in um, rural Georgia, in 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 high city New York City, and I've seen where. Uh, it would have been a clear, clear night sky, but there were so many lights on top of buildings that I was not able to see the sky. Yeah. Right. And in another setting where there was not as much uh, light pollution or, you know, other kind of environmental factors that I could see it so clear. Right. And so I think, again, there's so much that we could talk about in what is considered the mundane. You see the sky every day. You see trees mm. every day. You might even see uh, birds every day if you're lucky, you know, but what are they here? What are we here for? (laughs) And then to open ourselves up to what experience can look like in the midst of passing through some of the hardest systemic concrete conditions um, that seem to be escalating in in this 21st century world uh, where Dr. King would often put forward technological advances are advancing far further than our human development. And that causes problems at the core of our relations to each other. And so all of these uh, ways that I've, I've kind of put out into the, this podcast of thinking about darkness uh, culminate in, in trying to be helpful um, to a world that I know and I experience as having many challenges. Man. I love your insight that that light, which is conventionally understood as good and clarifying and the thing that lets us see is in fact the thing that's blinding us from a deeper capacity to see. Like oh, yeah. that, that like, it's not light or darkness, mm-hmm. but rather this integration of the two. And that in fact, in some places in darkness, there's this shimmering, there's this ability to see more clearly and attuned to more subtle, more subtle reality that's not available in kind of the neon glare of like, you know, the white body supremacy society that like wants us to just all be the same. And, you know, (laughs) just like so, so compelling to hear you speak to it. Yeah, there's, you know, you ever thought about uh, the use or the point of a spotlight? You know, a spotlight is used to identify something in particular. Generally, one Mm. thing put a spotlight on this mm. um even the bat signal it's a spotlight on the bat <laughs> signal <in> the sky. <laughs> you know but it's just that what i'm trying to say uh and it's hard you know sometimes it is difficult to to relay what i'm trying to say is that uh it's not one thing right we're, we're passing and not saying bad or good or right or wrong i'm saying experience mm. i'm saying take a walk mm. you know in a dark space yeah and, and when you do that, you might be surprised, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever you want to label it, I experience it as, as part of experience. And so if you stub your toe, right, if you're walking around in the dark, it might happen. But what do you learn from that, right? So the quick turnaround on, okay, what am I learning from this? And how can I deploy a learning into a new practice? Mm. I, I just see practice as being so primary. Mm. Uh, and that's what I would advocate for in, in counseling and in and in some of the ways in which I'm able to mentor or do coaching, 
what are we practicing? What, what, what mode of thinking, what mode of mind are we practicing right now? And how can we sharpen it? What have you learned in the last uh, couple of uh, 30 minutes, you know, from life, from what you did, um, what you thought as mundane? What can you pull from it? And so it's not a spotlight necessarily, but it's just knowledge that light is here, dark is here, I'm here. Once you can say I showed up, <laughs> uh, that's that's one level of it, right? I remember I was asked uh, in some of those same early grade school classes, are you here? We would say I'm present. <laughs> present present that doesn't mean that i'm not you know doodling on my piece of paper yeah. you know not paying yeah. attention it just means i'm here other than that you know there's an opportunity to be more than present uh and and that's something i'd love to explore because there's something talked about uh, uh that i hear often you know, be present be in yeah. the present moment that's yeah. one thing um, but there is something else to that and andy if we talk a little bit you know we'll get there but i i'm a big proponent on taking uh, some of these lessons that are across the board, you know, generally uh, education is made available and you're able to go to school. So these are collective experiences. And if you've ever been in that class and kind of said present, that's one level. What, what else is there yeah. you know, other than being present in the present moment? Practice. I want to, so I sense, um, I, I sense that I'm thinking again of the story that you told about becoming a chaplain. And you said that once you sat in those rooms, your understanding of what it, what was actually happening. And I'm assuming those rooms were places where people were, were ill, where people were dying, where people were perhaps faced with choices they might never have realized they had to make. Although perhaps if they really thought about it and were honest with themselves, they kind of knew they always had to make this choice. And yeah. You know, so just, so I sense there's something in there in your question about what, what does it mean to be more than just like, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. What does it mean to say like, I'm here. And yeah. um, I want to, I want to go there and in, in just a moment, if that feels, if that, yeah. if that That's resonates with you. Okay. But I also just like have to, if it's all right, if you'll indulge me, I, there's a poem by Rainer Maria Rilke, who's a German poet called, uh, called You Darkness. And mm. it just is so appropriate to what we're talking about and mm-hmm. i haven't thought about it in a while until this moment i just want to share it with you in particular please because do. Sense, yeah please 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 so uh, i'm not sure whose translation this is so it's originally written in german but here's a translation you darkness that i come from you darkness that i come from i love you more than all the fires that fence in the world for the fire makes a circle of light for everyone And then no one outside learns of you. But the darkness pulls in everything, shapes and fires, animals and myself, how easily it gathers them, powers and people. And it is possible a great presence is moving near me. I have faith in nights. Mm. I have faith in nights. Wow. That settles in um, very deeply in my own bones <laughs> uh, and in my flesh again. Mm-hmm. It, 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 mm-hmm. it turns a question into an exclamation point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really thankful of uh, your Rook's work. Uh, there's Go to the Limits of Your Longing is another exceptional piece that I um, think tracks along with what I'm about to share. Um, in those rooms, Mm. Um, where I said I would go in and 
and be present. And that's what I learned to do. I knew that at first. Like, I'm here. And I'm here to listen. And we were told that we, when you go into those spaces, you don't really name the darkness. You, you hear it. You listen to it. Mm-hmm. You hear what folks are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were folks who had very deep psychological challenges. That was my first unit uh, that I would walk up and down in, in the hallways. Uh, there were uh, a burn unit. There were children. Uh, it's a concentration of suffering. But I would say this too, even in the long-term care, it's not just one idea of what suffering is. It's not static. And so we had to learn how to pass through rooms while being very present. Mm. And so what that means is I'm not in the room to say that this is all going to be okay or that I'm the master of how long you'll be here in this hospital bed, or that this is the timetable for you as a family to, to make this decision. No, my, my work was to be as deeply with someone more than just being present. And it's without words almost. It's a ministry. And I think the word ministry allows you to cover more ground than the words to describe what happened in the room. And so there's a ministry of presence, and that means I'm here with you. And I had to get over this as a chaplain because I worried about when I left, what would happen. I would get attached to the person. Will they be here next week when I come back for my shift? Um, How are they going to be doing when I leave? And then one of my professors and advisors said that there's also a ministry of absence that you should be aware of. And that when you leave, um, there's something from your presence that remains. And so when I say show up in class and raise your hand and say that you're present, if you are attuned, if you are paying attention, if you are aware that you being there means something, that your life has meaning, your life has purpose, you actually show up differently. Mm -hmm. There's a bit more calm when I'm in the room and I have to leave because I know that not only my physical may be going, but my darkness is still there. Mm. The darkness is always there. Mm. Mm. (laughs) And so even when I'm having conversations in those spaces, there were progressively the fear began to dial itself back. And I could relate back to the planetarium. I could relate back to the cave experience. I could relate back to walking around in the dark room and not being afraid. I could relate back to those experiences and then see that now I can trust my ministry of presence as much as I trust my ministry of absence. That is difficult when you have responsibilities and you feel tied to them and you feel as if you make this engine go. But if you step away, you have a feeling that it won't work. That's a challenge to the ego, but it's a heck of a practice if you can dial it back and deal with it. And that's what I had to learn. I remember one of the patients, I won't share too much, but, you know, it's just that she calmed me down. I said, oh, my goodness, I'm a, this sounds like, sounds like a lot. This is, she's telling me, like, I know you're the chaplain, but let me help you. (laughs) I have a level of acceptance in my circumstance that, that might go past you right now. She said, you'll understand it later. Um, but just, just be here, just sit with me. And those moments happen, um, not only in hospitals. And I, I tip my hat to all of those 
that are doing those works in those in-between spaces that are often not really acknowledged or you know maybe sometimes they're they're known for particular circumstances but i know they practice every day i know that they go in there every day and so again i think that there is not one spotlight on a good thing that happens but it's the fact that all things are happening and when that when that becomes like a conscious decision that i'm a part of everything happening it disintegrates this soul ego relationship with the outcome. You know, the outcome, the outcome, the outcome, the outcome. What's the algorithm to get the correct outcome? <laughs> How do I get, you know, all my friends on board so, you know, we get the numbers we want? It, it, it's, life has so much more that is intrinsic to the way that you came to life. The way that you pass through even seasons of where death is imminent. Like you said, knowing that at one point, you know, I will return to the clay, ashes mm-hmm. to ashes and dust to dust. Mm-hmm. But there is something in those words that I would again have to name as ministry because they're too beyond my grasp to describe what I understand now as life and what I get to understand tomorrow as yesterday. That's something that I'll maybe share a little bit later. But um, when you get to have a tomorrow, it is a blessing that you had a yesterday. It's so that I had that moment as a middle school child in a planetarium yesterday's, but they didn't, they didn't really ring when it was today. It didn't really make sense when it was today, but when it became a yesterday, when it became, Oh, that time ago, when it became that, I began to understand like, wow, that was a moment. Now I'm talking to Andy when I was talking to you about when I was 12, (laughs) you know, sitting, you know, cross-legged on the floor. I'm talking to you about that moment that has had such an impact on all the other moments. So don't really fret when today becomes yesterday. Just be excited when tomorrow becomes yesterday. That means you really had a, a really great opportunity to learn some things. Yeah, Wesley, I'm really, I'm really touched right now. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm struck by a lot in what you just shared, but maybe I'll pull out a few threads and see if there's one in particular that you feel called to deepen into. I'm struck by your invitation to folks who are hearing you and also to sense the invitation to sort of embody as you move through the world towards a, a place of faith or a stance of surrender or a stance of acceptance or like this kind of sense of, Oh, I'm the one who makes the engine run, you know? And it's just like, man, the universe has been doing its thing for at least like 13 billion years. And somehow that got you and I into this virtual room right now at this moment. And there's no way I could have controlled for that. No control. (laughs) There wasn't a button to push. (laughs) Yeah. There wasn't a button where I like set up my box and I was okay on, on, you know, whatever the date is today, on Monday, May 17th at at 12 p.m. Eastern, Wesley Morris is going to come on the podcast and we're going to talk about faith and surrender and presence. Yeah. The the, the part that makes this so cool to me is that we both remembered to show up today. We might have had a helpful reminder in our calendar, right? (laughs) But it's that 
we are a part of a constellation. Yeah. Somebody talked to you about me and somebody talked to me about you. And if I were not present, I would think that I did something pretty special to be here. Mm-hmm. But no, it is the constellations that are able to connect dots and that help us make meaning of a moment. This is a moment, Andy, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for it as much as I am for my breath going in and out of my body. But I understand that moments don't just happen because I've created them, but I might flow into them because I am present to a kind of reality that says that this is possible. And so if I dealt with impossibility as my starting point, then I would not have accepted. (laughs) I probably wouldn't have been on the call that led to this call, you know, but there's something about just keeping your head up, whatever your direction, whatever your, your calling, whatever you feel your design and purpose is to do. If you keep your mind open just enough that you're able to walk around in a dark room again and not know everything, but just be open to it, you might wind up on, you know, whatever day this is, <laughs> talking to someone who you may not may have passed each other on the street. We yeah. may have been in the same city years ago. Yeah. But now we're here. I'm present yeah. and I also <laughs> feel filled up with wonder. I'm more than I'm more than just present. Yes. I feel open. I, you know, I feel open to this dialogue and to see where we go. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, if I may say so. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, this invitation to sort of a wondrous presence, uh, a presence of wonder, a presence of openness and flow. And then, and then you also spoke to the gift, like receiving the gift of our yesterdays. Rather than, and, and sort of for me that there's a rather than, and the rather is sort of like, rather than feeling entitled to our tomorrows, it's sort of like, how do we receive the gift of our yesterdays so that when we step into a moment, everything we've lived and experienced and everything our, our ancestors have lived and experienced, like everything that's just flowing through us in this particular moment mm-hmm. can be present with this other, with, it, with each other and with, with the world. Yeah. And we get to keep on going for a little while after it's done because, you know, evening transitions into morning. You know, it doesn't just say it's morning. <laughs> you know, we have yeah. a time on my watch when it's sunset. You know, the sun goes down. There's a gradual process. The same for our interaction. And so I have this fun thing I say on the Zoom calls. If I'm on a call with six or seven people, I'll say, well, this is great. For the rest of the day, I'm going to have seven people walking with me, talking mm. with me experiencing the rest of the day with me. And so some of the insights that you've shared with me, Andy, some of the questions, uh, even the concept, the idea of Wonder Dome, like I get to hang out with that for the rest of the day. You know, so when I go get something to eat or if I, even if I meet something challenging, right? If I, if I meet some suffering that was unexpected, Andy's with me, <laughs> you know, Andy, yeah. I'm still hanging out with Andy. You get to go yeah. with me. Yeah. And the same is true. And, and why... I guess my work as a chaplain brings this up. The lines of uh, life and death, they are there. Um, But there is a carrying on of each other uh, in a space, in a, again, ministry (laughs) that allows it to break down traditional barriers uh, or conditional understandings. I say conditional understandings because it was, if you want to be okay, 
if you want to be normal, this is the condition. You have to understand the world this way. Mm. But if you don't want to be part of that, you got to go in a dark room. Mm. <laughs> and you got to take time to develop. Mm. You got to take time to, to go through the waters. You got to take some time to go through the screenings. You have to go through some lighting effects. But you will come out a fully developed picture as long as you reject the conditional understanding and take the time to develop. Yeah. I've never heard anyone phrase it quite like that. And I really want to underline the sort of how seductive that if is like, Oh, if you just want to be normal and if you want to belong and if you want to be safe and if you want to, yeah. Like if you want all that, you want all that, right? Yeah. Then good. You just have to believe this and you have to think this and you have to avoid that. Come on over, come on over. And it gets so tricky Andy, because there are some ifs and there are some conditions that actually work towards the detriment of the whole of the mass of humanity that people and all of us in in some sense are tempted by and are asked to participate in, even though we know that the kind of conflict and rivalry, the kind of exploitation, uh, the kind of systemic poverty, the way that those things operate require conditional understanding. It requires not to see uh, everyone as yourself. It requires you to look at somebody as less than or look at somebody as better than those requirements come from keeping the system the way it is i think revolutionary thinking begins with a rejection of conditional understanding you make a new agreement with life uh miguel ruiz's book was transformative for me the four agreements you have to make some new agreements if those old agreements have endings like that oh no i'm not going to agree with that kind of world and so if i reject that then it means that there's a, a there's also a tribe. There's a whole bunch of people waiting for you to reject it. Yeah. <laughs> they rejected it already. Come to the dark room and let's take a walk. <laughs> let's take a walk in the dark room. Man. Yeah, man. This is. I'm conscious of the fact that we are coming up on our our time boundary. Yeah. And I sort of get sound like one. we have to get around too, man. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. I would so love that. Yeah, really. Um. And I often do this. I often ask like a really big question in the last minute or two. two. So, so like I, I, I want to just sort of for anyone listening, whatever you come out with, we want to accept as provisional and partial and, and far from the whole story. But it just feels really what you're articulating about conditional beliefs and um, new agreements in a way like I hear you sort of saying that that right now, all around the world, there is the conditional agreement that depending on on maybe what kind of body you have and where you were born and and who you were born to and what resources you have, like those certain conditions get you certain uh, quote unquote benefits. And so so like we're all like just in we're in conditional environments. All of us are born into conditional environments. And I hear you kind of saying like the pathway, the way through this, whatever this challenging, troubling time we're in, the way through is to begin to see and name and let go of those conditional agreements to agree to something more unknown that we can mm-hmm. only discover by passing through. Passing through, right? and, passing through and practice. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot to say or to think that uh, the president's words are just as important as a refugee's words. What if you think about that? Mm. What if you think about my grandparents, my grandmother, my grandfather, they're just as important, if not more, more than, than the governor. 
you know, like there, there's positions of power and you have that as a conditional understanding of how the world works. But what about this child that I see that I might pass? And they tell me something just as important and valuable, worthy of cherishing as anybody else's word that has been assigned something by the world. Wow. I realized this. I did not create myself. <laughs> uh, or I'll, be, I'll say I wasn't birthed into the world by myself and yeah. uh, nor were you and neither was the sky and so with all those things all together um, I think it is quite the miracle in the middle of the mundane that I was able to have this conversation about process and reality with you and so I'm really excited about continuing a friendship and a relationship with Wonder Dome and uh, folks that might reach out. I'm just excited to, to explore more of this, um, take more walks in the dark. I, I do it. I mean, that's what I do. I, I find more dark rooms and I just, let, let's take a walk. <sighs> Amazing. That feels like, that feels like the emergent perfect place for us to conclude for today. Awesome. There's so much more I want to talk to you about. So yeah, we'll have to have a round two. I'll make sure I call the leaf blower again. Yeah, great. Great. Yeah. And we can maybe for you might have caught my my kids screaming upstairs, you know, like just sort of like grateful for people in our lives who take care of each other and allow for these things. You know, like there's so much that that comes in to allow for this hour that we had. And so right like on. I want to welcome all of that again next time. Maybe I'll get maybe I'll see if I can get someone on like a riding mower to come by next time. Just like increase the amplification. Awesome, man. Yeah, where if people want to find more about about you and your work and your writing, is there a place that they can go, or where, where should where should I point people towards? Uh, Wesley Morris on Facebook, uh, North Carolina, Greensboro. Uh, my LinkedIn page. I'll be sure to drop a link for you. Great, uh, Wesley Morris. But uh, much more to come. Uh, I'm excited about. Um, yeah, I'm about about showing up in the world and and sharing all the things that I've learned. Mm, mm, amazing i'm excited uh for you to do that even more i'm really honored and humbled that we got to do a bit of that here and yeah thank you wesley this has been a real a real privilege this is great man nice to meet you andy you too you too thanks for tuning into the wonder dome this podcast was produced by me andy cahill with support from kelly Sirqua and audio editing services from john nolan at middle mountain studios the theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep this show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now more than ever.